Joe was a high school student in Miss Edwards' math class. Joe was always late for class. He always sat in the very back row. He never spoke or raised his hand, never walked down the hallway with anyone. He always sat by himself at lunch. Joe had this unmistakable sadness in his eyes. And even though he was a teenager, he always hunched over like an old man, like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. Miss Edwards could see that Joe was really struggling and not just in math. Miss Edwards had a compassionate heart as so many teachers do. And so she could see the potential and the worth in every human life, including Joe's. And so Miss Edwards set about trying to reach him, trying to build a bridge to him, trying to encourage him again and again. It was Miss Edwards' practice on the last day of the school year to have a personal conference with every student, to sit down with him or her and to review the final exam and to give a final grade, and then to have an exit interview before the student moved on. On the last day of school, Joe was scheduled for a conference, but he almost didn't show up. He was very, very late, and Miss Edwards wasn't even sure that he would actually show up. When he finally did show up, Joe sat down and said more that day than he had the entire year. Miss Edwards, he said, I know I'm going to get a bad grade. I know I'm just an embarrassment. I'm a lazy, selfish, stupid kid, an ugly, good-for-nothing person. I'm a waste of space, and no one could ever love me. I'm hopeless. Well, for a moment, Miss Edwards sat there in a stunned and thoughtful silence. And then, looking him in the eye, Miss Edwards said, Joe, you may think you're a D student, but you're an A person. I support you now, and I always will. I'm here for you now, and I always will be. So go and believe in yourself and build the life that you dream of. I'll support you every step of the way. Well, for the first time all year, Miss Edwards thought she could see a spark of life in Joe's eyes. Later that day, Miss Edwards' home phone rang. Hello, she said. Is this Miss Edwards? Well, yes. Miss Edwards, do you have a student named Joe? I am the priest from Joe's church and I'm calling because you saved his life. The priest went on to explain that Joe had been abused for years by his family, by his parents and his older brother to whom he looked up. All he ever heard from them was anger and insults and criticism. All he ever heard from them was hostility and belittling comments and harsh tones. On the last day of school, the day of his conference with Miss Edwards, Joe wrote a note and left it on his bedroom pillow. It said this, I'm sorry that I couldn't be the kind of son and brother that you wanted me to be. All I ever wanted was to be loved. I'm sorry for being unlovable. I'll go now. You can find me in the closet. I'd like for my body to be cremated if that's okay. I'm sorry to inconvenience you. Joe had hung a noose in the closet, and his plan was to, go, was to go to his conference with Miss Edwards and then come home to die by suicide. But then, 
But then he heard Miss Edwards' words, words of kindness, encouragement, and praise. For the first time in his life, his ears heard someone say that he was liked and loved. For the first time in his life, his ears heard that he was accepted and valuable. These were life-changing, life-affirming words. You may think that you're a D student, but you're an A person. Miss Edwards gave Joe just a glimmer of hope, but that was all that he needed to continue. By the time Joe returned home, his family had discovered the note and the noose, but Joe was on his way to becoming a different person. Friends, words are powerful, aren't they? Words have tremendous power. Some claim that words are the most powerful tool that human beings can wield. The power of words is nothing less than the power to change lives and shape the world. Words can cause empires to rise and fall. We've been going through the book of James over the past few weeks, and the book of James reminds us that with the tongue, we can either bless or curse. Another way to put it is this, words have the power of life and death. Friends, this is no overstatement. Words have the power of life and death. Of course, there are some obvious ways that words can do harm. Uh, Lies, slander, gossip, insult, and abuse. But there are also some not so obvious ways that words can do harm, right? Uh, One of the ways that I'm thinking of is sarcasm. Sarcasm? Uh, Sarcasm is just making a joke, right? Uh, Sarcasm is just being funny, right? Not really. Uh, The word sarcasm comes from the Greek word sarks, and the Greek word sarks means flesh, as in the flesh on one's body and bones. Uh, And chasm means to cut, like a, a chasm in the earth is a cut in the earth. And so sarcasm literally means to cut the flesh, because sarcastic words are just that. They are cutting They are biting. They are caustic and critical. These wounds, these words can wound. Uh, When a person says, well, that was brilliant, it can wound the other person and make him bleed. And so when a person uses sarcasm, he's probably not being humorous. He's being hostile. He's being hurtful. And his words should be recognized as such. Those who live among sarcastic people die of a thousand paper cuts. Because words are the most powerful tool that human beings can wield, because words have the power of life and death, no less, we should ask ourselves a question. How should we as Christians use our words? Knowing the tremendous power of words, knowing that words have the power of life and death, how should we as Christians use them? Well, to find an answer, my friends, the best place that I know to go is the Bible. And amazingly, when we open the Bible, the first thing that we see is that God himself has words. Yes, God himself has words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything that dwells therein. God created the entire cosmos. And how did he do so? He did so 
just by saying the word. God spoke and it was so. God said, let there be light and there was light. God said, let the waters teem with living creatures, and the waters teemed with living creatures. God said, let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens, and birds flew above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. God spoke, and it was so. He needed nothing more than to say the word. God used his powerful words to create, to bring life. But friends, God didn't just use his powerful words to create. God used his words to bless. When creation was finished, he looked out at all that he had made and he said, it is good. It is very good. Now, this may seem like a very simple statement, but there is much more to it than meets the eye. God looked at the world and affirmed its worth affirmed its value. God said to the world, you are good. You are lovely. You are beautiful. I delight in you. I find joy in you. Uh, You are valuable and important to me, and I love you. God looked at creation and said, you are good, very good. This, my friends, it's what's known as a benediction. At the end of every worship service, as you well know, there are certain words that are spoken, and the words that are spoken are known as the benediction. The word benediction has two parts. The first part, bene, uh, means goodness or good. Uh, Similar words are beneficial or benevolent. Uh, The next part is dictum, which means to speak, and similar words are dictate or dictionary. Thus, a benediction is a good word word, a word of blessing, a word spoken to convey loving kindness. God created the cosmos with nothing more than a word, and when he was done, he pronounced a benediction. He spoke goodness and love over it. But God's words didn't end there in the book of Genesis and with the act of creation. No, God continued to speak through the pages of the Bible. From century to century and from generation to generation, God continued to speak to his people. And how did he do so? Did he speak through this audible voice from heaven? Well, not usually. God spoke to his people through the prophets. If you go to the book of James and back up just one book to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews begins like this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. You know, a large section of the Bible is the works of the prophets. And sometimes the prophets get a bad rap. Uh, People think that uh, the prophets are confusing or opaque, mysterious. They're hard to understand. And so uh, why stick with them? Well, friends, let me tell you that you should stick with the prophets because God spoke through the prophets. God spoke through Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. God spoke through Joel and Micah and Zephaniah, and he had some important things to say. 
uh, in the past two and a half months when we've been in quarantine, I've tried to do some extra reading. And I've been reading the minor prophets. I've been reading Hosea and Jonah and Amos. And let me tell you that the works of the prophets represent some of the high points of all biblical literature. I have been blessed by reading the prophets. God had important things to say to his people. Messages of comfort, courage, and hope. Words of wisdom, guidance, and instruction. Pronouncements of judgment on the enemies of God's people and pronouncements of judgment on God's people themselves. God had important things to say to his people. And you know what? He still does. God still speaks through the prophets. And when we ignore the prophets, we ignore God. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, the very beginning, God is calling Jeremiah to ministry. And he's sending Jeremiah as a messenger to his people. And Jeremiah tries to protest and he says, no, I'm too young and and I don't want to do this. Send someone else. But God says to Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth. Now go. God has put his words in the mouth of the prophets. And when they speak, we can hear God speaking. Well, of course, the greatest of all the prophets is none other than Jesus Christ. The greatest of God's prophets is his very own son. Again, from the book of Hebrews, just before the book of James, the book of Hebrews begins with this beautiful passage. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. He supports all life by the word of his power. God spoke long ago to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, Hebrews says, he has spoken to us by his very own son. You know, if you go to the Bible and if you go to the section of the prophets, the very last prophet is Malachi. And Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. When you turn the page, you're suddenly at the New Testament. But let me tell you that there was about 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Meaning that when you flip this one single page, that represents 400 years of silence. God was silent through the prophets for 400 years. But then suddenly, God spoke again through his son, Jesus. The book of John begins like this. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. And then comes a verse that is absolutely arresting. It's John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God. 
God's living word. The person of Jesus is God speaking to us and expressing himself to us and revealing himself to us, not just in some invisible speech, but in visible flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Friends, listen to this. Lean in close and listen, because this is important. When Jesus spoke, none other than God was speaking. When Jesus spoke, none other than God was speaking. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke words of mercy. To the woman caught in adultery, he said, woman, who condemns you? She said, no one. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go and sin no more. When Jesus spoke, he spoke words of grace. Even while hanging on the cross, he prayed for those who persecuted him. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When Jesus spoke, he spoke words of mercy and grace. He spoke words of healing. To the leper, he said, I am willing to heal you. Be clean. To the lame man, he said, take up your mat and walk. To the blind man, he said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. When Jesus spoke, he spoke words of mercy and grace and healing. And most of all, when Jesus spoke, he spoke scripture. When he hung on the cross, he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22, verse 1. He said, Lord, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Psalm 31, verse 5. In fact, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, in the desert, he was tempted by the devil and he responded to every temptation with the words of scripture, with a verse from the Hebrew Bible. When he began his formal ministry, just before it began, he opened up the book of Isaiah and he went to chapter 61 and he claimed it as his life verse He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and to comfort those who mourn. Friends, Jesus's speech was saturated with scripture. It was always on his heart, his mind and his tongue. Friends, let me close today like this. When God speaks, whether he speaks as God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, God speaks to create and not to destroy, to build up and not to tear down, to bless and not to curse. Whether he speaks as God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, God speaks in love He speaks in love with perfect benevolence for other people. God speaks so that none may die, so that all may live, so that those who are lost may be found, so that those who are far off may be brought near, so that those who err may once again find their feet within the path of righteousness. God speaks mercy to the repentant sinner and grace to the humble in heart. God speaks not to assert himself or to justify himself or to promote himself. God speaks to protect the vulnerable and to defend the mistreated. Sisters and brothers in Christ, 
Here is the crux of the matter. Whether he speaks is God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit, God speaks to create and not to destroy, to build up and not to tear down, to bless and not to curse. And so, therefore, if God speaks like that, if God uses the power of his words to bless and not to curse, to give life and not to bring death, then how, then how shall God's people use their words? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.